Welcome back to the Canadian Gumball Behind the Vault Door. My name is Mark Morelli. I'll be your podcast host. Sitting with me is none other than podcast Brian this evening. Brian, thank you so much for being here. Oh, thanks for having me, Mark. You know, Brian, I'm uh, curious to know your thoughts. We've certainly had a lot happening uh, over the course of the last few weeks. It's been a while since we've talked. Uh, yeah, it has. Yeah, yeah, but you know what, though? Um, <clears throat> I don't even know where to begin. We've got uh, so many things we can discuss. I mean, the, uh, the NDP propping up the uh, liberals and uh, their uh, desire to uh, hold back on uh, having parliament in session. I mean, you know, quick thoughts on that. <laughs> well, I, the NDP are, are doing their typical power play stuff, right? Like they're largely irrelevant. So at times like this, they can flex their muscle, even if it's the wrong muscle to flex. Yeah. So um, I'm not surprised they're doing this. Um, I don't know if any of the other parties are ready for an election either. So, you know, you just don't know what's been said down the uh, the halls of power there in Ottawa or on their Zooms or whatever they're talking on these days. Um, because I, I don't know if anyone's ready for an election just yet. I think the fall is a different game. Yeah. But, um, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I think this Trudeau government's going to have to play out the rest of this COVID thing, and then they'll answer for it one way or the other, and people will either be happy with what happened or they won't be. And, uh, you know, they're, they're going to they're gonna win or lose on the public perception. And, of course, all the paid media is, is singing their praises and, you know, as they're going to do for their money. And, um, you know, the NDP, again, a largely irrelevant party now. The Liberals have taken up their place mm -hmm. on the left, the extreme left of the spectrum. And the NDP have been shoved aside. And so now you've really only got the activist uh, the activists left, and they're you know they're so far left they're just communists. Yeah, yeah by another did name. You, so. Did you see Singh get the boot out of parliament? I did. The House uh, yeah, I, I mean, you know, um, uh, leveling a charge of racism against anyone, the, especially these days, a very serious charge. Yeah. And uh, if he's going to start throwing that around because he doesn't like the fact that he's not particularly smart and that he's easily outmaneuvered by other political parties, and the minute he is, he levels a charge of racism at them, then. Uh, you know, I, I hope the guy uh, has to fight for his job. Um, I, I don't see him heading up the NDP for very long, but even if he does, it won't matter because they're largely irrelevant. So this is uh, this is going to come down to what's left of the liberals and what's left of the right wing parties in this country. And, you know, if uh, if the right wing parties can get their act together, I think the liberals will be gone. But again, that's where the money and the effort is going is to keep the the right-leaning votes split. Yeah. So anyone who has any half-decent mind left, um, you know, is is voting on the right side of the spectrum. But we've got our hard right, we've got our mid right, we've got our progressive right, and uh, you know, we're disparate. So uh, we can't get our act together and vote in a, a government in that can throw these idiots out. So we're left with the clown show. Right. You know, I, I don't think Canada can afford to have another round of uh, liberal government. I'm uh, I'm watching, you know, the news, and I've certainly seen money go out the door by the container full, and uh, seeing Justin Trudeau lose his bid on the UN's, you know, council. Uh, you know that that for me, you know, it's funny. Amongst all the bad news we've gotten as a firearm community and as Canadians in general, uh, it was it was just a pleasure. To see, you know, them uh, suffer that loss. And I was curious to know what your thoughts might be on that subject. Well, I mean, 
in a world full of bad news, this was a small ray of hope. Um, I despise every dollar that we throw towards the UN uh, because it's a dollar wasted. And uh, he spent billions of them to try and get a vote in our favor, and it didn't work, uh, which means that the rest of the world doesn't care about Canada in any way, shape, or form, uh, which is what, you know, I think, unfortunately, Canadians are going to have to realize. So we can either make this the nicest country in the world where we love to live, or we can screw it up trying to impress other people that just don't care about us. And that's what the, the whole, this whole, you know, social justice, liberal, virtue signaling sort of movement is all about. It's out of touch with reality and, and you know, uh, everybody wants to jump on the latest issue from around the world or elsewhere. And, and they don't. They don't know enough about their own country. They don't know enough about their own law or their own history to recognize what it is that they're all upset about. And so, you know, you end up with morons in the streets uh, vandalizing things and carrying signs that, you know, uh, that are self, you know, like they're, they're so ridiculously obvious, you know, that uh, I, I don't understand the point, but whatever. Well, you know... Uh, this whole Black Lives Matter movement, like, quite honestly, like, I mean, do Black Lives Matter? You and I have discussed this. Absolutely. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. They absolutely and, you know, do. And, and, and that's... I'll never take that away, you know. And that, this took some, some thinking on my part. Um, of course they matter. Yeah. You know, and I've always been one of those, well, all lives matter. Well, yeah, but they do. But, you know, it's that, that comparison with the, um, the, fire, the fire truck pulling into the, into the uh, you know, the court. And there's all these houses around the court. One of them is on fire. Well, don't all the houses matter? Yeah, but that one's on fire. Let's go put the fire out. Yeah, but all the houses matter. Right? And it's like, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the house that's on fire. Let's deal with it. Now, you can talk stats, which unfortunately for the Black Lives Matter movement um, dissipates their argument. The the uh, the idea of uh, racially prejudiced police officers murdering black men uh, because of their their color is is in Canada is almost unheard of and in the states is the smallest demographic of law enforcement violence. So uh, hey, listen, one life is too many. I I don't disagree with that. And you know. Um, the African-American community in the United States has, and in Canada, has selected that as a topic that they want to address and they want to focus on, and that's that's absolutely fine. Um, the reality is, is we should be shooting, excuse the pun, but we should be shooting for no deaths <laughs> by uh, police violence. Of course, absolutely. But the reality is, coming from law enforcement as you have, Mark, you know that that's that's very nice, but that isn't always the case. And unfortunately, the job of law enforcement is to deal with some very bad people who do some very bad things and don't care about your safety, your fellow officer's safety, or the public's safety. And sometimes they take their lives into their own hands. So if we can do whatever we can do to make the likelihood of the loss of life less, that that's a great thing. But if we're going to do it at the uh, price of the police who... Are, are out there to keep us all safe, then I don't know if, uh, 
you know, if that's a realistic proposition and this whole idea of defunding and let's use something else other than the police. Well, you know what? Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm trying to Do imagine. It. I'm, trying, Do it. I'm trying to imagine what a world would look like without police. You know, and, 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 and you know what I'm left with? I'm left with Chad. <laughs> well, you know what? When they send a social worker with a nice little piece of paper saying, you know, turn over all your guns. No. Yeah. You know what? No. I, I, I've seen. No. I've and, seen. And, 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 and that's it. That's the end of the. This isn't a debate. It's not a conversation. Well, I'll go get another piece of paper that says turn in your guns. No. Yeah. Now what? Now what? Now what? What are you going to bring 50 people out here to wave signs around on my front lawn? Because that would be unwise. Well, that you know. That would be unwise. I, I, so, you I, know. I, 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 look, I look and watch in utter amazement as anyone. You know, like, I, and, I, and I understand the frustration, and I understand how the uh, the media uh, paints a picture that uh, is, is quite inflammatory. And uh, I certainly watch in the United States as Democratic mayors and uh, governors uh, do what they can to uh, keep this, um, you know, festering wound wide open rather than, you know, promoting unity. Uh, you know, they seem hell-bent and determined to make sure that, uh, you know, people feel wronged and victimized and, uh, you know, the law. Well, that's what gets some votes, Mark. Yeah. You know, and, and, but, but to, but to believe for one second that society could function, I mean, it's a nice thought. It's, it's like, it's a lot like socialism. It's a pleasant thought that everybody could be equal. It's a pleasant thought that, you know, there wouldn't be any need for police, but ultimately at the end of the day, there's a certain percentage of the population that don't care about anybody other than themselves and certainly don't hold uh, public safety in very high regard. uh, And in many cases, is not even their own and uh, you know nobody's more pro-police than I am um, you know and I, I truly do believe that there could be some changes made and that there's a lot of things that could be improved upon uh, including you know training and um, you know certainly there's uh, you know there's prime examples all over the place of people that, that screw up and they definitely need to be you know held accountable for their actions well, you know Mark here, here's the thing if anyone had defended the officer who killed George Floyd, mm. there would be a valid argument that systemic racism is a problem. Yeah. But no one defended him. No. The only person who's going to defend him is going to be his lawyer. Yeah. Everybody else said that his behavior was completely, completely untenable okay. and unacceptable. Everyone, all the way up to the president of the United States, said that it was completely unacceptable. So... Well, that doesn't matter. We're going to go out in the street and be outraged. Okay. Based on what? Like, the the guy committed a crime and was charged for it. So there you go. Now, by stark contrast, however, we have another shooting uh, that occurred, uh, you know, recently, whereby a uh, <clears throat> an individual had deprived uh, a uh, officer of his uh, conducted energy weapon less than lethal weapon yes. less than lethal weapon and i mean anybody that's ever rode the lightning before knows that uh, <laughs> well while it may be considered less than lethal that doesn't make it any more pleasant uh if you've ever been tased before and i have <laughs> it's not it's not a very pleasant experience certainly it, it it's by its very design it's been engineered to incapacitate people and uh Anybody that deprives an officer of his uh, sidearm or, you know, any of his weapons, uh, whether it be, you know, pepper spray, uh, aspiton, uh, you know, 
the, or, you know, taser is, is obviously taking their own life into their hands. I really do believe that. Like if you're going to try and take a weapon from an officer and are prepared to use it, that uh, you certainly put yourself into a, a, an awful position where you could be injured or worse. And so we have this officer that's deprived of his taser and a gentleman that's on the fly. And, uh, you know, it isn't long after that that uh, shots are fired. And, uh, of course, there's uh, already an atmosphere that is uh, not very pro-police, to say the least, that has jumped on the bandwagon. And that officer is uh, charged, uh, despite the fact that what... uh, his actions were, uh, they may fall completely in line with uh, his training and departmental policy. And, and of course, you know, I, I see a lot of people that, you know, are jumping on the bandwagon, the anti-police bandwagon lately. And uh, a lot of this has migrated, you know, northward, north, northwards uh, into Canada. Uh, you know, we're, we're hearing about calls for resignation. Uh, you know, for Glenn to care. I mean, he's not, he's not even the chief of police anymore. He's running the, uh, the parking outside of, uh, outside of town there at McMaster University. Well, he's, he's, yeah, max security. They're special constables. Yeah, no, no, I, 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 yeah, no, no, there's no question that they're, uh, you know, they're from the same, um, family, uh, but they're, but they're not even police, but comments that he made and, uh, things that he had said during his time as a, a chief of police in Hamilton have come back to haunt him, it seems. And, uh, you know, like just this general atmosphere of, you know, defunding and, and anti-police sentiment seems to be moving up here when, when I really, I really don't believe, um, that there are many, if, um, if you want to call it that, police officers that, that are, are racist up here in Canada. I, and I've certainly never been exposed to them. I, I see a bunch of good frontliners that are uh, more than willing uh, to see past race and, uh, and color. And really, it has nothing to do with you know, what's on their minds when they're uh, dealing with the general public. Well, it's, this is outrage culture. Mm. So outrage culture sells, so it gets an ear. And mm. so you only need 15 morons in a city. Mm-hmm. To make it sound like it's a movement. And the problem is, is the sheep. There are many out there who are addicted to Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat and all the social media platforms will run their mouths and let their outrage get the better of them. And they'll try to pretend like uh, an issue exists where it doesn't so that they can feel relevant because ultimately humans are not happy unless they're being challenged and we live in soft times we're living well our standard of living is very high i mean we have some things on the go right now but our standard of living at this time is high and people want to you know people who have uh, don't feel like they have anything relevant to to uh you know to add to the world or to to say or to do um they they want to reach outside their small world and 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 you know fighting racism is a is a noble endeavor it's a noble call and you can't take that away from them i mean it absolutely is so you know they want to pretend that it's 1968 in in the united states and they want to go out and they want to you know they want to make a difference yeah they want to you know they want to listen to rage rage against the machine nice and loud and act like this is this is all a thing but you know the changes that have happened since Rodney King and since, you know, all these other things. Now, let's let's, let's not forget there there are some major problems out there. You heard about the no knock raid that resulted in the death of the uh, EMT from uh, 
I believe no. it was Atlanta. No. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, it was right before George Floyd. Oh. So, yeah, so the police launched a no-knock raid. They got the wrong address. Um, the 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 female EMT was in bed with her boyfriend who had a uh, firearms permit in in state of Georgia. And the no-knock raid, which was plain clothes, broke into the house, and he opened up on them. Mm-hmm. And they were police. And they killed her. They killed her. I missed that. So, yeah. So, uh, and I'm sorry. uh, It's a matter of, uh, it's not at the top of my head. I can't remember her name and I should because it's very important. But that is exactly the kind of overreach and lack of, uh, of, um, you know, uh, attention to detail that the police are, or that people are criticizing the police for. It's completely unacceptable. And, you know, as firearms owners, part of what we're concerned about is government overreach. And that includes the arms of government, which includes the police. The police should not be, you know, uh, breaking into people's homes who haven't committed any crimes and killing them in their beds. Um, uh, by the same token, the police should not be taking 19 hours to respond to maniacs going and shooting up a community. Uh, you know, so there have been some missteps on both sides of the border with law enforcement. And the reality is, is that law enforcement is made up of people and people make mistakes and sometimes they don't uh, handle things right. And, and often... Um, they don't have the complete picture until long after the thing has happened. Yeah. So, you know, we can, we can, the people who are in charge are the ones who are going to wear it, but that doesn't mean they knew what was happening. They, yeah. they might have been in, at home in bed, you know, having, having signed a document 12 hours earlier saying, go ahead and do this. I'll tell you, that's, that's an absolute nightmare. And uh, if I was in charge of <clears throat> signing, uh, signing off on that one, I would want to make absolutely 100% sure that you're at the right spot. I, I don't even know that I would feel comfortable if I wasn't on site and present when it was going on just to ensure that it went smoothly. Uh, you know, what a, what a horrible tragedy that, uh, that sounds like. Breonna Taylor was her name. Really? Breonna Taylor, Louisville. You know, what, a, what an absolute shame. I, um, you know, I don't want to believe for one second that uh, if we could turn back the hands of time that the uh, officers involved in that wish uh, wish it had gone down much differently. But uh, moving on to uh, moving on to another subject, I got to tell you, you know, I uh, now with the ranges reopening and uh, with people uh, flocking to the ranges, uh, to all the people out there that uh, have gone to the uh, Hamilton Gun Club to enjoy uh, what I consider to be one of the finest shotgun uh, club experiences in Ontario, uh, if not the country. Uh, thank you so much for coming on out. The uh, membership is skyrocketing. People, uh, people are really starting to acknowledge the uh, hidden gem that uh, we have here. Oh, it's Hamilton. a great club. It's a great Fantastic club. club. You know, they got five stand. They got uh, skeet ranges. They got oodles of trap ranges. Uh, they got a beautiful clubhouse. They got sporting clay. Uh, you know, and, and a really friendly atmosphere, full kitchen. Uh, they're constantly doing barbecues. Their membership has grown to the point where they actually have opened up another day. They're open Thursdays, Thursdays. now. Yeah, so they're yeah. Uh, they're running Wednesdays, Saturdays, and Sundays, uh, you know, and now Thursdays, 12 to late. So if you want to head up and uh, enjoy a terrific shotgun shooter's experience, they don't have any pistol and or rifle as of yet. But uh, I can tell you that they're a very progressive club. Uh, they certainly do have uh, a great deal of history behind them. They're over 100 years old. They're the oldest uh, still operating, you know, trap and skeet club 
in the country. And uh, what a fantastic group of people that they have up there running that place. And, oh, they're uh, great. Yeah, sure they're really they're, yeah, they're fantastic. Highly yeah. recommended. Go out. I mean, what's a membership? You know, the reality is, is that everyone out there should be dropping 100 bucks a month to support... Uh, to support the uh, lawsuit against the government. So, you know, come up with 100 bucks a month, 100 bucks a pay, every second pay, and throw 100 bucks to the CCFR or to one of the other organizations that's that's fighting the government in court um, and join another gun club. Uh, you know, I'm a member at Silverdale. I'm a member at the Hamilton Gun Club. Uh, there are other good gun clubs in the area. Ha ha. And uh, uh, there's a pistol club on the mountain here on Rymel, right? Uh, oh, you're talking. You're talking about the. Uh, I, I always call it the Defasco Gun Club. You're yeah. Talk, you're talking about a 1500 Stone Church Road. Yeah, yeah, by, yeah, 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 yeah. By the uh, yeah. wedding hall there. Yeah. Yeah. That's you know what it's little a pistol it's, club. It's a little Cute. pistol club, and they've got uh, they got a a little semi underground facility that's been around quite some time. Yeah. And uh, you know again. <clears throat> you know, if you haven't joined a gun club yet, uh, mm. you know, the social atmosphere at, at some of these places is mm. absolutely fantastic. Good Urban Tactical, they're great. Yeah, you know? yeah, UT, UT's been good. Uh, I haven't been to Trigger Bo Triggers and Bows. Triggers and Bows, I heard, has a really yeah, nice uh, yeah. really nice little range as well. The Oshawa, uh, the Oshawa Gun Club have fantastic facilities. Um, you know, we got Galt, uh, you know, if you can get in. Elgin Middlesex. Yeah, yeah, we, we've got, and, and you know, if you get out Kitchener Way, they got a lot of small clubs out there that you never well, there's, yeah, Twin Cities. I was a member of Twin Cities for years when I used to be allowed to uh, shoot my FN and my AK. Yeah. Uh, beautiful. Outdoor, 300-meter range. Nice. Uh, very, very rare in southern Ontario. And um, uh, old-fashioned old membership, but uh, good people. And uh, I had a lot of good years out there. A little far for my drive, about, you know, about an hour, hour and a half. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there's, you know... Um, you know, it all comes down to Mark. We got to see if we're gonna, if we're gonna be able to keep our firearms because, uh, you know, we're in quite uh, the fight here. Uh, we are in the end game. Yeah, this yeah. is the end game because, um, you know. Other than this, all that's going to be left is bolt-action target rifles. I don't even think they're going to leave that. I, I quite frankly think... Well, bolt-action target rifles with iron sights. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, it's pretty right. interesting. I, I, You know, with, with the clubs opening up again, I mean, I went down to the vault... And uh, I, I went to select, you know, what I what I was going to choose to shoot for the day. Uh, I was heading out to Silverdale, and I was, I was really surprised because I had to I had to look around a little bit, and I said, you know what, what can I take still? You know, and there were there were a couple of things that, you know, they keep on uh, updating the FRT, well, which is which is which uh, is a whole updating updating. Yeah. You know, the uh, secret updates to the FRT system. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people out there that are sitting there saying that you know, well, it's not law. If it's just the FRT, it's not law. I guess I would I would make the argument that to uh, any police officer out in the road that comes upon you uh, transporting a firearm that has been deemed prohibited as per the FRT might might have a different opinion and it will take you somewhere between you know 40 and sixty thousand dollars to debate that that, that, that particular mo motion that, yeah yeah I mean like ultimately people have asked me this question it's something that's come up quite often uh, you know my background in policing has made me privy to, uh, to certain things and people have tapped on me uh, to, to ask my thoughts on the subject uh, the truth is is that um, any police officer there would probably have sufficient grounds to place you under arrest 
uh, for you know the illegal transport of uh, prohibited uh, firearm. If they got you out there with something like, say, the Deria Mark 12 or the F-12 Typhoon, you know, some of these more recent updates that uh, nobody has received any kind of official notification about, which is really unfair. I mean, like, if you can imagine, you know, as a, as a regular citizen, if, if suddenly they changed the speed limit on the road, uh, you know, from 50 to 20 and didn't tell anybody and didn't sign the road as such, and an officer pulled you over and said, well, we changed it, you know, we didn't tell anybody about it, but we changed it, and you're doing 30 over the posted limit. Honestly, you know, ignorance of the law is no excuse. But then again, that's the problem it's not the law it's not the it, regulation I, I get that but regulation but, but ultimately punishment through process uh if you if you might be subject to being charged and a firearms charge at that um you know which 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 do constitute pretty serious offenses in in canada um you know the idea that you know you wouldn't have access to that system you wouldn't know and i mean how many people don't even use the internet have no idea what's going on uh today in canada uh, aren't monitoring social media closely enough to know about these changes. I mean, you could be going out on your turkey hunt uh, with your favorite, you know, shotgun and, and not realize that you're in contravention uh, of federal law and, and could be subject to an arrest and uh, detainment and loss of property and subjected to a, a criminal court process that is both stressful and expensive. And even if there's no reasonable prospect of conviction and it's not reasonable to expect that you would know about the changes, um, you would still have to go through that process and lose that money because you you wouldn't be really in a position to uh, get it back. Um, And so, you know, there I am the other day going through my safe and and trying to decide. And this is something you've had to deal with over the years. Uh, I know that you're a 12.5 owner and, uh, you know, you have to pass over your favorites in the safe. Mark, I'd probably own two rifles. Yeah, isn't that amazing? I'd probably own two rifles. I was, you know, my mother the other day said, I don't understand why you have so many guns. And I said, well, you know, I I, I had the one gun I wanted and they banned it. So I bought another one and they banned it. And then I bought a bunch more and they banned them. Then I bought a bunch more and they banned them too. So, learner, so right? here I am with 21 <laughs> guns of which 18 are banned. Yeah. And, you know... I, I, I really only ever wanted, like, I have an FN and an AK. Well, who needs more than that? Really? I mean, I might have bought an AR just to be in the AR club, but then I'd have three rifles, and instead I have 20. So, you know, people ask me what my favorite is, and I, I, I always tell them the same thing. They're like my kids. You know, I, I don't I don't play favorites. Every one of them, you know, I love. And but going into the safe and 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 you know going into my vault and spending time you know in there for a second, knowing I can still you know select uh, from from some handguns and and then looking at my errors and thinking to myself, I didn't buy this to be deprived of my ability to enjoy it. Uh, you know, if it was any other segment of Canadian society, it would be totally wrong to tell people that they couldn't still use, you know, a car. You know, if you suddenly found yourself in possession of a car that emitted too much, uh, you know, carbon monoxide, you know, you would be grandfathered. You'd be allowed to drive it, you know, much like, you know, some vehicles didn't even come with seatbelts, you know, like you're not required by law to wear a seatbelt if you're driving a vehicle that is made prior to, I believe it was 1967, um, you know, even if it has seatbelts in it. And so, you know, to, to, to be grandfathered and to be given the ability to continue to enjoy your property the way you have in, in many cases uh, for decades, 
um, you know, isn't too much to ask. And yet this government seems to think that, you know, overnight with the stroke of a pen that suddenly Canadians everywhere, are, you know, less trustworthy. It's really, it's really a shame. You know? Well, it's, it's a sales pitch. It's a sales pitch for some votes and that's all it is. And it's contemptible and it's really, it's petty and small and pointless and I was wait- contemptible and, and you know, Mark, <clears throat> I only hope we're going to get a fair hearing in court and I'm not convinced we are going to. Um, because the courts have been activistic for a long time. And there are people out there who are perfectly willing to take half of everything you ever earn in your life and then tell you how to live your life and tell you what they're going to spend your money on. So, you know, again, these are interesting times. Um, You know, there's an old there's an old army saying with like, you know, wait out, just kind of, you know, and it comes from our time on the range. uh, Watch and shoot. Yeah. Watch and shoot. It's uh, it's um, uh, you would load the targets would go down, and yeah, that would be the the firing application, and you would you would be ready to shoot, and that would be the command of the range. Watch and shoot. Watch and shoot. And and that's it. So you know, at this stage, we just got to see what's going to happen with. Uh, with uh, the legalities and the court cases and COVID and the election and everything else, and you know, uh, you know, I, I can't, I can't help but notice just as uh, the corona, you know, fear of this uh, corona begins to subside, that there is, and I, and I hate to play into the tinfoil hat theorists' hands here, but the truth is, is that it just seems like there's always something. You know, uh, fear begins well, to. Well, and, and this subside. is all media driven, right? Yeah. So it's all media driven. So I, I find it difficult to believe that people can't see through it. The you media. Know, like it's really, it's really becoming glaringly obvious to anybody that's really paying attention. That well, they, and again, you, you got to figure out what the deal is. So is the media being paid to do this to promote someone, or is the media doing this just to create more business for themselves? Right, sensationalizing. It could, and it could be either way. Right, it yeah. could be either way. Uh, I I have my opinions, and somebody's you know, lining their pockets. I think they're scumbags who are being paid off to uh, promote a certain uh, viewpoint. But um, you know, it very well could be as simple as uh, good good stories sell ads, and you know, race war is a good story. COVID's a good story. China is a good story. Uh, Justin Trudeau being a very in touch and happy, happy go lucky, touchy feely prime minister is is not the best story. So that can just stay on the back burner, and we'll just go after Stephen Harper again or whatever it is that it is this week. You know, Donald Trump. Fifty percent, sixty percent of our news is about Donald Trump. Like. You know, no one's looking at the bill, hundreds of billions of dollars that we're spending, pissing out the door with a fire hose, you know, to China and to other countries just to make liberals happy. So, you know, I, I, this is a contemptible government. And, um, you know, I really hope people are smarten up and see through it in the next election. We can throw these people out because uh, they need to go. Absolutely. They need to go. And, and you know what? Just quickly, one last thing. Uh, I was curious to know what your take might be on this. Um, you know, the police walkouts. You know, down south. Uh, certainly, it was something that was discussed in my time in policing. There were moments when uh, you know the membership felt that they were being treated poorly and/or were uh, working through some uh, very unsafe 
conditions. Those were the type of instances where people began to discuss the subject of walkouts because many people don't know this. Police aren't in a position to protest. We're not in a position to strike. And you, you can't participate, much like you know freedom of speech, and you're really not allowed to have an opinion as a police officer. It's a quasi-pseudo-military organization. Uh, it's uh, very important that people toe the line and people follow orders, and there are very specific sections of the uh, police act that speak to the issue of, you know, um, talking out against your organization. So for all the guys that are not agreeing with, uh, well, one of many things that are still going on in policing today and would love to be able to express themselves, but cannot, you know, I feel for you. Um, I won't tell you to retire. Uh, certainly I'm not hindered by the same kind of restrictions. Now I'm able to speak my mind and I've never felt better, but, uh, the subject of walkouts was, you know, floated around on several occasions. I did, uh, at least on one occasion, see a squad of guys kind of get together and girls get together to uh, express themselves and their dissatisfaction. And it resulted immediately in a, in a form of punishment by dispersing them uh, to different divisions and different squads in the middle of the year when nobody uh, gets transferred. And, and that's something that police don't like. But the subject of walkouts, obviously in the United States, uh, things have hit the point where you know, good police officers have decided to stand up for themselves. Uh, I believe that it's in protest uh, of that one officer uh, immediately being charged. And uh, people uh, people wanted to uh, express their dissatisfaction through a walkout. Uh, obviously, there's calls to defund police, disband police, um, you know, be more critical of police every day. And, uh, you know, some some cases it's very justified, I'm sure. But at the same time, you've got people that are working under uh you know, some pretty stressful uh, and dangerous conditions in the United States, and uh, it doesn't seem like they can do anything right. So to see a group of guys walk out, though, in Atlanta, Georgia, I mean, that's uh, that's a pretty big and bold statement uh, to know that the air has gone dead and that uh, people are not responding to things like shooting, you know, shots fired. You know, the, there's gang members shooting at each other in the street and to hear crickets, um, over the radio airwaves is really a frightening concept to me. Uh, but but your thoughts, though, on, on, you know, a police walkout? Well, I mean, here's the thing. I mean, nobody likes police overreach, especially police, you know, like they don't want to be forced to uh, run everyone's lives for them. But by the same token, we also can't have... Um, we can't have the public attacking the police and, you know, advocating for their murder and then and their disbandment and their defunding and all this. Like, these are nonsense. You know, if these people really want to try and survive um, in that kind of situation, the reality is, is the 99 percent of the population that don't feel that way are going to pay for the uh, utterances and enthusiasms of 1%, a very brain-damaged 1% of the population who are being given all the airwaves right now. And, you know, this whole idea of the, you know, well, let's defund the police, and by that I mean let's get rid of them. And it's like, well, you know, an awful lot of people like to run their mouths, and they like to run around in groups and act all tough. But when there's not a police officer around, that means they're fair game. And anything they open their mouth up about or say, uh, they are going to be held to account for in the street and in the alleyways and in their front porches of their mom's homes. And, uh, you know, um, 
if that's really the way they want it, like all I need to hear is game on. I just yeah. need to hear someone say game on and police are suspended. And then it's like, oh, great. Remember what you said? Well, here we go. Yeah. Because let, uh, let, let these it. people, these gutless little worms, these cowardly piss ants who've never don't they've never given anything of themselves to society. They're not firefighters. They're not police. They're not EMTs. They're nothing. They're uh, they're little commie wannabes living l- living in a. Uh, Living in a uh, you know free society that has all the benefits of uh, of a high standard of living with a relatively high taxation because we have a relatively high uh, income level and uh, you know they get to run their mouths as if you know this is a 1917 uh, uh, Moscow. Uh, you know they, these little Marxists and communists—they're morons. They're morons. And if the police, you know, I, uh, it's easy for me to say, yeah, they should all go off the job. But you know, they've got mortgages to pay, and they've got you know mouths to feed, and they've got bills, and they're going to lose their money if they do that. But I, I, I totally understand, and I'm sympathetic with any police uh, service who says, you know what. We're withdrawing our services. You don't want to fund us. We're uh, going to take our toys and go home. I, I'm, you know, whatever. Well, I, I, I think I think that most police officers don't have the uh, luxury of uh, articulating it in quite that way. But to have everybody suddenly not feel well enough to go in for shift certainly sends a strong message. Well, you know, COVID, it's a horrible thing. You know, yeah. And, and, and you know, I got into a discussion with somebody today on the subject, and, of course, they were very critical of, uh, you know, police walking off the job and suddenly... Really? Coming. Well, yeah, you know, they, like, I mean, how, you know, how dare they do that? And, I mean, you know what? Like, they're so hard done by that they... They got to walk off the job, and uh, you know, let's hope let's hope the good cops, you know, stick around and uh, you know, tough it out. And it's like, well, hold it. Like, I mean, I, I've actually. I've actually come from a perspective where I've seen both sides of the coin. Um, you know, I remember starting, you know. Uh, <clears throat> shifts for years well below the minimum required safe number of officers out on the road and i mean when i say that i mean like there's a there is a minimum number um you know per uh, per capita you're supposed to have so many officers on the road you know in order to maintain a degree of officer safety and quite honestly um things have fallen apart so uh, so much so that, you know, you got officers that are injured, you've got officers that are on stress leave, you've got officers that, you know, uh, have suffered damage and trauma, you know, from years of service. And, you know, to have people, um, you know, a one person book off sick can leave you with like 13 officers policing an area that should be policed by 20. And people don't realize that with the number of officers uh, that you go below that strength, the workload goes up substantially and certainly the risk level as well. So, so to have officers consistently, chronically working uh, below safe levels, um, you know, of, of their membership out on the street, you know, it would only be a matter of time if you know public um, public attitude turned on them. So. Uh, before there was a bit of pushback. And, you know, with these people calling for the funding of police, like, I mean, they're already doing uh, more with less in many instances. To have people calling for the defunding of police and or being, you know, overly critical of people that are doing the absolute best they can, uh, it's not it's not surprising to see that uh, even good cops, you know, uh, saying, you know, that's enough, let's show them what it looks like. You know, without, uh, without police in place, things can get kind of hairy out there. Uh, I, I certainly think that uh, anybody that's ever been, 
subject to you know a violent occurrence and or has ever been you know victimized and immediately called the police whether they like them or not knows how important it is that you have people that are willing to deal with you know the more unsavory elements within our society um, you know I always used to tell my father like you know like I deal with the things that other people shouldn't have to see shouldn't have to deal with um, you know police are a very specific breed you know they are uh, conditioned and or selected you know because they don't have the same aversions uh, to 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 uh, you know avoiding violent you know behaviors and activities and, and uh, very dangerous people you know the uh, the saying goes that you know when everybody else is running out of an area that has become too dangerous police are uh, rushing in and when i say that i mean like there's something inside you that motivates you to go into that space uh truthfully there must be something wrong with all of us uh anybody that's ever <clears throat> you know been in policing uh, knows that feeling when when things are going terribly wrong uh, and you can't make it to that event, you know you can actually be overwhelmed with feelings of guilt. You know if uh, if people are injured, and I've been in those instances where you're just you're too tied up and or you're seized with a matter more importantly that uh, cannot be left uh, unattended, and something serious is going on, and and you really want to get there, you want to be involved, and that's that's the type of people that are selected. Um, you know, through the process of uh, picking the correct personalities for policing. And, you know, as a public, you need to you need to be aware of the fact that you've got a great team of people. Ninety nine point nine percent of the frontline officers that are on the street are only interested in your safety and uh, providing you with uh, great quality service. They're colorblind and uh, quite honestly, some of the best people I've ever met uh, selfless and uh, certainly willing to put themselves in harm's way, you know, uh, to make sure that uh, you get to enjoy uh, another evening at home with your family this year. And that's uh, that's what I've come to know uh, policing to be. Now, my thoughts on the administration and the organizations might be completely different, uh, you know, and I've always been uh, a strong advocate you know, for the front lines, um, but not always so much so for the administrators. Well, policing is political and politics are bullshit all around. So tell us what you really think. No, politics are bullshit. <laughs> You know what? How, what can we steal from the people today yeah. to prove to them we're doing a good job on their behalf by asking for them to give more? Like it's it's you know you know I I, I agree with the policing thing, Mark. You know, like it's service and you know it's a tough job and it can it can ruin your perspective, it can ruin your attitude. You can become bitter towards people. Sometimes the wrong people get into it and they're petty and they're small and they're power hungry and they're abusive and uh, often and I can speak from experience often they're just impatient and tired of the bullshit and having to once again debate the same nonsense with some moron who, you know, really just needs a crack in the head. Like, because, you know, people think they can do whatever they want. And the reality is, is you don't get to do where you what you want when it starts to hurt other people. And these people demand to be treated in such a manner that they're hurting other people gives them a certain latitude up to a point. And it's nonsense. And, um, you know, that's uh, th that's part of the, the continual policy battle that we fight as public servants and you know it's going to continue to be battled and I'm sure we're going to hear a lot more in the next two or three years over defunding police and changing the role of the police and this that and the other thing and you know the reality is is if you're a violent scumbag then you have 
coming to you what's coming to you. And uh, if you're not, then you absolutely should not have that coming to you. And that's, that's what needs the tweaking. It's where you don't need to have the violence. It doesn't need to be there. But, you know... They do an awful lot of sparing people the violence who got to come in their way. And uh, I don't know if that's the answer either. So, you know. Uh, uh, before my father passed away, uh, and he was a brilliant man, he uh, said to me that the uh, the true challenge in policing is going to be retention in the next 10 years. Oh, yeah. So I'm, yeah, so I'm going to tell, uh, I'll tell everybody on this uh, parting note, uh, take care of yourselves. Uh, do what you can to decompress off shift. Uh, surround yourself with supportive people and uh, the support systems necessary to survive the uh, rigors of this job. Uh, it's uh, ever-changing, ever-evolving nature. Uh, certainly is uh, difficult, but uh, I know you guys are up to it. Anyway, on that note, we're going to call it a night podcast. Brian, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks so much for having me. All right. Good times. Anyway, thank you so much for listening, folks. Hope you've enjoyed this podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe to us on YouTube and on Instagram. And as always, Canada... Don't forget to shoot straight. Stay safe.